save as you get a little salty with me, dear. <laughs> so um, we have a template. And okay, then we okay, save okay. They don't need to know about any of this. Salt <laughs> As the producer, it's my job. I like science. As a producer, you save as. I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello there, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the podcast dedicated to plant-based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder, and I'm so glad you are here listening today. I'm here with my husband and all-around sweetheart producer of the podcast, David Rossetti. Say hello, Mr. Rossetti. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Mr. Rossetti. That's a me. Hey, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm, I mean... I'm not great. <laughs> All right, like, put it out there. Like I mean, let's like let's be honest in the world, right? It, the world is hard right now. Debates are happening within the presidential situation, so we we're watching in that. the thick of it. We are less than a month away. Less than a month away. I'm depressed. I got in a fight with someone at a grocery store this week, which and is very means, out of character for me. He, not a physical fight, but no, but it got heightened and loud did. enough that a. Um, a store clerk was like, um, I'm sorry, can I help you? Uh, so, I mean, it wasn't cute on my end. And I don't necessarily, I think all parties were responsible. I take responsibility for my end. Uh, anyways, so th- that's just some dirty laundry for you right off the bat, you guys. The but world is dark. We're all struggling. How are you, my love? Good, good. What same, was your butt? What was same your here. Bat? No, but I was just saying, like, everybody's kind of feeling that way. And yeah. I feel like... If you're listening, you are feeling that way or have felt that way or are feeling currently that way. You know, like it's, it's okay. Today's mental okay. today's national mental health day actually. When we're recording this. Um, when we're recording this. So um so to all of you we say we love you, we embrace you, and we've all got our uh, battles that we're battling and um, And just breathe and breathe. Take a second, go for a walk. Whoo. <laughs> Watch one of your favorite movies, whatever you need to do to kind of... Whatever you need to do for Mm -hmm. you, do it. Uh, But, you know, my spirits were a little lifted this week. Do you know why? Why? Because you and I celebrated our one-year wedding anniversary, my love. Oh, we did. We did, we did. Yeah, one year, we did it. To the world, I say to you, happy anniversary. That's all, right? One, one? One year. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary. Oh, thanks, babe. Babe. I got you, babe. And uh, we received this, uh, you got me an awesome, you got, I realized I talk about, we recorded all these things like a couple months ago and I thought I was secretly on every episode of being like, guess what? I like Reba McIntyre. I say it again today. I think he does. I'll, no, or on next week's, but I'll say it uh, 7 million times, I guess. But you got me, the reason I bring that up is because you got me a vinyl of the 30th, 30th anniversary of Reba McIntyre's album, Rumor Has It, y'all. Yes, and uh, it is an orange vinyl. It is. Don't normally like shopping at Walmart, but I originally went to Walmart. It was the only place to get it, huh? FedEx. Yep. Oh, of that, course. That had the exclusive orange oh, vinyl. My goodness. Um, but then FedEx lost it, so I had to buy it on eBay. The so things you do waiting. for me. The things you do for me. So I had to make a little mini. You did. You made a little mini a little mini. mini album, and you put it in the card mm-hmm. for me. It was very sweet. Mm-hmm. And you got you. me a little photo book of. We're gonna take pictures on the 
day from our wedding every every um October oh every 6th. year we're gonna put a picture on it on the anniversary date so basically we can in 50 years we can look at how cute we thought we were in 2019 that i don't know yet if this was a dumb idea or or a good idea but <laughs> it's gonna be at the idea. moment it seems fantastic right now it's amazing um but we also received the most awesome gift from our friend brian gosman he's been a dear friend of mine since i was 16 um shout out troll performing arts school in fargo north dakota we went there together uh, for a couple summers but he got uh well he made us uh, he handcrafted, handcrafted this bowl um a wooden bowl made wooden from bowl. a certain kind of wood yeah i'm trying right? to uh i'm trying to remember it may it's made out of a maple tree um and it's uh it, it represents the longevity of marriage and the uniqueness of the piece signifies the uniqueness of the bond that only you and i share it's a very sweet thoughtful gift handmade by him so i just want to give a shout out it's so cool shout out to brian yeah, Gosman thanks, brian. and his lovely wife very cat sweet. uh love you guys and your family and uh thank you thank you thank you Yes, yes, uh, thank you. And you know what? That bowl lifted me up. But you know what else lifts me up? This week's what guest lift? lifts me up. Yes, 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 yes. She is. She is lift upable. She is lift upable. She is. <laughs> she raises. She's like a breath of fresh air. We're losing our steam here. Uh, lifts <laughs> us up. She lifts us up. So who is she? JL Field. She is a powerhouse when it comes to getting stuff done and her enthusiasm and energy towards justice for all and life is infectious. Yeah, she's just she's just the coolest and, and it's fun to hear the two of you chat together. I, I really enjoy this interview because I've always felt the two of you have a have a similar energy and, and, and a similar overall mission to kind of uh, take the guesswork out of like the kitchen and and make it accessible and easy and also not like push it in anybody's faces just kind of present it as as easy and simple well i mean that's it, true it's given, you yeah know, like she she also has a very direct personality which yes. is one of the things i love about her it's inspired me a lot in my personal food journey when i started the vegan roadie in 2014 i felt the need to sort of hide the vegan factor or make it palatable for non-vegans sort of like i was almost apologizing for my yep. being a vegan, which is so silly. And as I've watched her on her path, she has made some moves that have empowered me to embrace my veganism. And she's just so cool, y'all. She is. She is. She's just such a, a badass, puts it plain and simply, doesn't take anybody's no crap, guff. crap online. Take no guff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she moves on, and she moves on, and she moves forward. Well, and that. who is this badass we speak of? Let me tell you. JL Fields is a vegan chef, health coach, and chef consultant to food, health, and wellness brands. She is the founder and culinary director of the Colorado Springs Vegan Cooking Academy and a master vegan lifestyle coach and educator. JL is the author of several cookbooks, Fast and Easy Vegan Cookbook, Vegan Meal Prep, The Vegan Air Fryer, and Vegan Pressure Cooking. She's the co-author of the Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook with Victoria Moran and Vegan for Her with Virginia Messina. Her two current solo releases are The Complete Plant-Based Diet coming out next week on October 20th and Vegan Baking for Beginners that came out earlier this summer in 2020. Um, you focus on those two most recent ones in this interview. Yeah, we do. But that's not all when it comes to JL. She also writes the monthly vegan dining review for the Colorado Springs Gazette. She produces vegan markets and the annual vegan restaurant week in Colorado Springs, which we get into some in this. Clearly, she keeps busy. So let's get into it. Here she is, JL Fields. <laughs> 
With peace, love, and kale, it's the master vegan lifestyle coach and educator who literally can't stop, won't stop when it comes to writing cookbooks, J.L. Fields. How are you, darling? Oh my gosh. Just hearing your voice right now makes me want to just cry out of happiness. How are you? Ah, (laughs) I'm doing good. We're hanging in. I'm also very happy to hear your voice. I feel like, um, you know, veg fest season has passed and that's probably when our paths would have crossed, you know? Always. Now I'm going a year without you. So it's, uh, you know, I think we're all sort of feeling that way in the vegan community. It's usually like, even if you don't do the whole circuit, you'll usually hit one and see somebody, you know, and get to pal around a little bit and not this year, you know, no, but we're here and healthy. So things could be worse. That's Um, right. So we'll get right into an icebreaker question. What is something people might not know about you? You know, there are a lot of things <laughs> that people might not know about me, but I think for today's purposes, especially since I write vegan cookbooks, yeah. um, I think that like sort of my, my trajectory into the justice movement might be surprising to people because my master's degree, which I earned, you know, as a youngster when, cause I didn't know what I was doing when I was young. So I just like, well, I'll go to college and then go to grad school and try to figure out what I want to be. And my master's degree is actually in higher ed administration. But uh, a couple years at working at a university in my early 20s in Chicago, I totally was not loving it and thought, what on earth am I qualified to do? And thought maybe like social work or the nonprofit world Mm -hmm. might uh, make sense. And so my first job was working at a gay and lesbian organization in Chicago, Illinois, which was called Horizons Community Services at the time. And I was the director of youth services. So I managed a drop-in program for gay, lesbian. At the time, it was GL, it was gay, lesbian, bi. Um, And Mm -hmm. then we started to add the T, and then we started to add all of the other things over the years as we all grow and learn more. But it really sort of opened this window of justice for me. Um, And, you know, from there... I ran a rape crisis center and then a foundation to end violence against women and girls. And years later, find myself as a vegan working in the animal rights space because I have learned that justice um, isn't true justice until we have it for all. So absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that is something I did not know about you, but I don't find it surprising at all, especially you have such a great uh, you have a. a way of connecting with people that I think is so genuine and sincere. So that really doesn't surprise me at all. And I'm glad that this has, it just carries on in your lifetime into different arenas. I think that's great for everybody. So that's fantastic. Um, My thing that people don't know about me is super basic. I love Barbies. I love them. I love Barbies. I just do. When did this start? When did you, when I think I have to wonder, like I really got into them more in like my twenties. And I think it might be like my deep seated, like, like I think there's part of me that wants to be a drag queen and I just won't go there because I really like my beard and I don't want to shave off my beard. Not that you can't be a drag queen with a beard, but like the kind I would want to be would be fully shaven and like big hair and makeup. So like, I think that really is the root of it. Plus when I was a kid, like I could, I wasn't allowed to. So I had to like play with my sister's Barbies in secret. So I think there might be like some suppressed stuff there, but that's a whole other podcast. But yeah, such good stuff. That's what people don't know, but I love Barbies. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I think I may have posted once on my Instagram, but 
I'll get there. I'll post more. Um, now, listen, you currently reside in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where you are the founder and culinary director of Colorado Springs Vegan Cooking Academy. You also write a monthly vegan dining review for the Colorado Springs Gazette, and you produce vegan markets and the annual vegan restaurant week in Colorado Springs. Bless ya. Every community <laughs> needs a leadership inclined vegan to dive in and get the ball rolling there. Did you sort of just, did you, did you, how long have you been in Colorado Springs? I will, my eight year anniversary is coming up uh, December 1st. Yeah. So it feels like a lifetime and it feels like yesterday. Did you dive right into it when you got there, start doing all these things or how long did it take before you started sort of planning your vegan roots in the community? You know, it kind of did. Uh, It's funny because I, first off, I always like to make a point because I'm highly visible and have a very large mouth. Um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I get credit for things, uh, you know, that I feel like, you know, I, I'm all for accepting credit and appreciate it. However, sometimes being the loudest room or voice in the room doesn't, you know, warrant all of that. So I say all of that to say, I'm, I'm a very methodical person. Like it's Virgo season right now. And I am like Virgo girl. And so when we were moving to Colorado Springs, I was like, okay, well, I'm a Buddhist. Where are the Buddhists? I'm a vegan. Where are the vegans? Where do I find my like people? Exactly. I'm a liberal. Where are my liberals? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I found these groups that had already existed. And so I found the one, there was a vegan group. It was on meetup. And so even before I moved here, I went to one of the meetups at a local brewery that was very vegan friendly. And I started to meet some folks. And so I've always been, you know, in New York, there was so much being that was offered there that I never really did things that were sort of geographic based. My blog obviously was like in the world, not, you know, really that much based on geography. But then I started working with the local Westchester newspaper. That's when I first started writing a plant-based column. And so I started to understand the value of geography. And I say that only because when I got to Colorado Springs, it was like, oh, cool. So there's a meetup. That's awesome. I'm so excited to be a member. Like I was members of others in New York. And then shortly after I moved here, um, the organizer the, the, who had founded the meetup, she's like, you know, I'm kind of exhausted and you seem to have a lot of energy. Do you want to take this over? <laughs> and I was like, sure. So I took it over and just kind of did status quo. And at the time we were called Colorado Springs Vegan and Vegetarian Group, which I think okay. is really great, very inviting, very open. But my veganism started to get, uh, I was about to say radical. And then I'm about to take back from that thinking that was too strong. And then I'm thinking, but I'm radical, but whatever. The point being, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, you know, any time that I'm going to put towards something, I want it to feel super meaningful to me. And for me, it is all about veganism. And so as I kind of found my way as the leader and some people kind of came and went, I found out what my strengths were and my strengths are putting on events. My strengths are not potlucks. Potlucks drive me freaking mad. I know they're amazing and they're wonderful and they're important in communities. And I don't want to go into a stranger's house and I don't want 25 strangers in my house. Yep. I'm sorry. Yep. True story. It just is. No, I get is. that. I hear you. I feel you. But you know what? Give me um, a, a, a big old tent and mm-hmm. give me some Facebook time and let me write some press releases and let me work my networking and I yeah. will get a thousand people in a tent for an event, right? So I just changed the focus and I changed it to Colorado Springs vegan events. And I started to get super focused and I focused specifically on producing uh, four markets a year, two huge ones, one for the summer and one for the holiday, and then some smaller quarterly ones. And then the vegan restaurant week. And I just feel like that's where my strengths are. And we get high visibility, high impact. So um, that's kind of how it happened. 
I love that. That's great. They're so lucky to have you. And it's not just your local community. When COVID started, I know you were giving free online classes. I don't know if, are you still doing the free online class? Yeah, it kind of has morphed into something. So, so I started a Colorado Springs Vegan Cooking Academy years ago, and I teach classes here and taught classes here in Colorado Springs, hands-on cooking classes, plus demonstration cooking classes, and then doing um, private cooking classes and cooking coaching in people's homes. And then COVID happened. And so I, uh, the day our governor announced on a Friday that the state would likely be closing down on, on over the weekend. And on that Saturday, this was like March 22nd, I think 21st or 22nd. And I just was like aching because my cooking classes, uh, you're in the field. So, you know, I'm not getting rich from this. I'm no, doing yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. heart work, right? It's my heart work. It's my heart work. work. It's connection with people and, exactly. and, and, and teaching something that you love so much. Exactly. And then hoping you can at least pay your grocery bill from the yep, class yeah, and, exactly. and pay the assistant who helps you clean. And, um, so, so I was just realizing what I was going to be missing was that connection that I have. And my model for the Colorado Springs cooking Academy had evolved over the years. And what finally was really working was that I would teach two classes every month in person. One was always a free demonstration class because I wanted anybody who wanted to learn about vegan and plant-based cooking to have the option and not have to worry about having the resources. So I would host one free public class. And I would get anywhere from 35 to 75 people come to a class. And then I would teach one hands-on cooking class where it would be anywhere from six to 12 people. uh, And they do the cooking themselves and it was a supper club. So that was my model. So now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, state's closing down. So is my cooking academy. And so I just put on social media on a Saturday. I'm like, Hey, you guys, I am already missing the classes that I can't teach. And I'm wondering if I try to do something online tomorrow and it could be a bleep show, a Schitt's Creek show. (laughs) Um, And, um, but do you want to, will you join me? And people were like, yeah. So I I put a zoom link together and um, Dustin, you know how zoom works. So I had the cheapo (laughs) version so I could accommodate a hundred people and I had 300 people show up for my class on that Oh Sunday. my gosh. So I couldn't, oh, I but I felt that. so bad when I saw all these people right, in a waiting right. room and they couldn't get in. And so, you know what? I'm like, well, I guess I'm on to something. And so I did for, I taught 16, what I ended up calling the pandemic series. And all of those videos are on YouTube and it was just fun. We connected, we knew each other's names. We were having cocktails together while we were cooking. And then I realized it was no longer sustainable for me. It was really draining. I was doing it. It's a lot of work. You know, it is. It is so so much much. Um, And so even though it looks like it's fun and easy and I'm like hanging out in my kitchen and it is fun and I am hanging out my kitchen. So I thought, okay, what can I do with this that sort of still honors my original model and I can keep this going? So I decided to launch uh, online cooking classes only and they're called pay what you can. And so when people come to my cooking class section of my website, I have a suggested fee of $10, but what you see right away is that you can enter zero and register for my class. You can pay more than $10. You can pay less than that. And it's working. Uh, because I'm a vegan professional and mama needs to pay a mortgage, right? So yeah, I am yeah, money on. from it and people are very generous and I am over the moon every time I see someone register for free because I don't know their life story and I'm so right. happy that they're getting a, a class. So it's, it's something that I think will continue beyond COVID because it's working. I'm reaching far more people 
than in my in-person classes. Yeah, I'm so inspired by this. I I did a few online classes when COVID started and I did them for free and um, lots of fun and they're really great. But I sort of had the same thing where I was like, you know, this is week after week. This is, it's a lot to do and and no money coming in and there are expenses that need to be covered. So I'm gonna have to revisit that. Um, But it's it's very inspiring and I know people are so grateful that you're doing it. Well, and I want to say too, I know authors are listening to your show and people who are in the culinary world like you and I, and I want to remind them to never be shy about speaking the truth. Just because I couldn't teach cooking classes anymore didn't mean I didn't still have monthly rent. I did, right? Right, So I'm still paying for my cooking academy. I'm still paying for my domain and my website. Like none of those expenses went away. So, you know, when it's kind of like, oh, well, what a sweet gig. You're in your home and then you're going to have dinner when you're done. You're like, no, I'm still trying to pay my monthly bills. And so don't be shy for asking for what you need. So sorry, I'm always an activist when it comes to that. No, I love that. I love that. It's one of the reasons I love you. And I, I, there was a, even a... (laughs) You you say don't be afraid to speak up. You said uh, there's something that always speaks in my mind at a veg fest. You said once, and I I'm gonna see if you remember how you worded it. But you were talking about it's just like as cookbook authors, people often they'll write a review or they'll say something to you even in person. And they'll be like, oh well, I made this and I subbed out X Y Z and I did this thing and I did that and it wasn't really that good. Do you re- do you know what I'm talking about at all? Um. Like, Oh yeah, like when people were saying like that they tried something from your book and it's not like what it was at all. Is that Yeah, it's just yeah. the way you worded it. It was so good. You were like, you oh. were like well, you didn't really make my recipe, so yeah, I, I can see why I'm maybe like, it wasn't yeah. that good. People email and they'll just be like, Oh, so I made your recipe, but I, I didn't have mushrooms, so I used corn. Um <laughs> I, I don't eat soy, so I used um rice. Oh. And, you know, and I didn't, I don't use an air fryer. And so I slow cooked it like, like all of these things. And I'm like, it sounds like you created a really interesting recipe. That's just yeah. not mine. That's so not it one. didn't work. That's why it didn't oh work. My it wasn't gosh. my recipe. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I can't remember what veg fest it was, but you said that. And I was like dying in the corner. I was like, that's exactly right. I'm like, you didn't do the recipe. So that's great, but that's not it. Um, <laughs> do you have any crazy veg fest stories? Is there anything that sticks out for you right now? Not to go. Oh, the honey. I do. Are you ready for it? Oh yeah. 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 Give me one. Give me one. (laughs) I will never forget it. It was um, transformative and not necessarily (laughs) in a good way (laughs) or it was a good way. I don't know. So as you know, um, and maybe some of your listeners know, or all you have to do is do a Google image search and it won't take you long to figure out that I am proof that the idea of vegan equals skinny is untrue. And what I mean by that is just like before I went vegan, I was a variety of sizes. Sometimes I was heavier, sometimes I wasn't. Depended sure. on how much food I was eating, depended on how much food I wasn't eating, depended on how much exercise, right? So vegan wasn't a magic bullet. I say that because at so many veg fests, it's often, it feels like oftentimes speakers feel like they need to default to that. Like the only way we can convince people to believe in justice for all beings and to do the right thing in the world is to tell them that they will be skinny or that right. they will die. Um, and so here I was, you know, I've been in various sizes throughout my t- 10 years of being vegan and 18 years of being vegetarian. And I was um, at what a size that many people would consider um, fat and um, I don't consider fat a bad word, by the way, but that's sure. just what people called me. They would call me that on reviews on Amazon. And I was um, supposed to do, I was in Southern California and I had two 
gigs. They had, I was going to do a cooking demo, but before that they wanted me to do this sort of quick 15 minute sort of lunch and learn that was out in the main stage outside. And it was just a bunch of speakers one after the other that just kind of came up and like for 10 or 15 minutes, just like kind of did a quick talk. So mine was going to be five easy ways to add more vegetables to your diet for the non-vegan or non-plant-based person. So the person before me, um, a young man got up uh, to talk about how going vegan had transformed his body. So he took his shirt off and left Uh it off for the entire talk to show his six pack abs that he got as a result of being vegan. I'm quoting him. And so who's next? Me. So I got up on the stage um, after he left still with no shirt on. And um, I got up and I said, well, I kind of feel like I should take my shirt off so I can introduce you to my belly. She's very large and she's vegan too. And then I said, but here's what I'm here to talk about. Five easy ways to eat plant-based. So I just was like, I mean, how do you get up and not like this dude was walking around naked showing off his abs. And now here comes, you know, me. And I'm like, so I'm like, well, I'm just going to call like I say it. They're like, here's my belly. Uh, He's vegan too. We're all happy eating all the good vegan food. Let's get um, into it, folks. We're all so happy. I love it. I love it. And I can see it right now too. And it's fantastic. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you for saying that too. Um, Now let's dive back a little further before we got into all the books and JL goes vegan. Where were you born and raised and when did cooking actually come into your life? So I was actually, believe it or not, born in Southern California, but I was there for like, like not even a year. So I was raised in rural Illinois. I was in Burlington, Iowa, and then in Stronghurst, Illinois, a tiny town of 800 people. And I was there my whole life and uh, cooking. (laughs) My family still tells stories about my infamous recipe that I was going for (laughs) And uh, I hope you're sitting down. And was I, it like some Midwestern delight? Oh, honey, what, no what one. Have. I mean, even my family poke fun at me. Um, <laughs> and definitely not vegan, but I am here to tell you, I made this every Saturday morning when mom worked. And it was like my like late morning, getting ready for lunch. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, give it to me. Can of Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Uh-huh. Minute rice. Uh-huh. A can of tuna garlic salt and then i smothered it with cheese swear to god and i'm telling you you know what i have not done in 10 years and i still want to i want to veganize that oh yeah absolutely you have to oh my goodness so that was the kind of cook i was dustin just so you know um but that is brilliant (laughs) we didn't really have to cook we had my dad actually did a lot of the cooking and so and he worked um he was like a a shift worker, like seven to three. So he was home when we got home from school and he made dinner and we had just very basic, like, you know, um, broiled hamburgers or, you know, pot roast or fried chicken or, you know, I'm sorry, I'm talking about me, but this is, we all, most of us were not vegan first. So that's um, where you were. We're talking about where you were. Yeah. So that's where I was. And so like, even when I went to college, I was a little lost on this idea of cooking for myself, but the things that I just always remembered were, were very much the basics. So when I was after grad school and I had my apartment in Chicago, I just really did things like pot roast in a crock pot with vegetables that I made enough that I would only have to do it once a week. And that was basically all I ate for the week or I would, I would eat out. And I, and I say this because then I met my husband who didn't do much cooking at all. So he thought he was like freaking with 
Betty Crocker because I was like <laughs> making this thing every Sunday or a big old pot of chili. But that was all I had in my wheelhouse. Sure. And then he started watching um, Food Network. And one day I was like, you watch a lot of shows on cooking. And you know, cooking, he's like, well, because I didn't want to offend you. I'm like, offend me, please. Like, <laughs> please, over. please. And it literally shifted. Like that day, it was over. Wow. Day, over the kitchen. So just like my dad cooked for me all my life, then my husband cooked for me all my life. And so that was like amazing, worked great. And then even when I went vegetarian, Dave was like, I'll, I, I can make this work for you. Don't worry about it. And he did. But when I went vegan and at that point I was 45, he was like, you know what, honey, I don't think I got this. So I really was a, a, a brand new cook at the age of 45 who was trying to figure out how to be vegan and really how to engage with cooking. Wow. Wow. I mean, but isn't that, that's when cooking started for me too. When I went vegan, suddenly I got so, for me, it was suddenly like an, I had an interest. I was invested in a, in a different way. You so know? your culinary training happened after you went vegan or before? Yes. Oh. Yeah, actually. Yeah. It happened probably four years after I went vegan, I think. I didn't realize that. I mean, and I, I just, had, wow. Yeah. I, well, I had up till that point, I had been very invested suddenly in vegan cooking through cookbooks and like at home and everything. And I got so into it when I went vegan that then I suddenly got interested in culinary school after a while. Uh, that's really fascinating because you are incredibly talented. I always laugh when I have to do a cooking demo after you at a veg fest because I'm like, good Lord. Oh my God, I'm like, all so right. Kind. So you just got, you guys just saw something fancy and now this <laughs> is going to get up here, but it's fine. We both have our places. Listen, A, let me just make, be clear. Your food is accessible to everyone. So what you do is actually make that food that everyone says we eat with our eyes first. You can plate food beautifully. You can think through like how it is visually appealing, the texture complexities, yet you also make the home cook feel like they can do it when they get home. So make no mistake, home cooks. My like, heart, JL. No, this is all oh, true. But then I just get up you. and be like, your kitchen is going to be a hot mess and this table is about to look the, <laughs> like the worst thing you've ever seen. You will not want to eat with your eyes first, but you're just going to have to trust me. It's going to kind of taste yummy and you could definitely do it. That's the difference between you and me. When So when we're back to back, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> but well, my one... <laughs> The other difference is you're like, who wants an Instant Pot? You want one. You get well, one. True. You get I'm one. Oprah. You're like, you were the right? o you were the Oprah of Instant Pots for a while, and I was here for it. I was like, oh my gosh, who's gonna get it today? Oh, I loved it. That's you true. guys, <laughs> listeners, she was giving away. Everyone would get, not everyone. One person would. You would cook from the Instant Pot, and then you would give it away after the demo. It was amazing. Okay, and here's more back scene stories on that, though. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I like to say that it's because I'm very altruistic, and I know how to work some networks with some brands. But sure. Here's the truth of the matter. I've been book touring with a vegan pressure cooking book, <laughs> then an air fryer book. And I realized that the only way this was going to work is if uh -huh. I worked out a deal with these brands and said, send me a device to this town or city where I'm going. I'll use it. And then I'm going to give it away. So I don't have to travel with one. I don't have to wash it. That's all, you know, my thing I always say when it's, someone would win, I'm like, you have to clean up when you get home. I'm, I don't do dishes. It is so. genius. It's it genius. I remember you told me this. I was like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. I was like, you're not traveling with any equipment. It's mm -mm. brilliant. It's amazing. <laughs> well, no. So all this, this shift into cooking then, what yeah. was the first vegan cookbook you ever owned? Oh, um, you know what? Let's see. I was trying to look. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now while we talk. Um, I think the first one, I feel so bad that I don't remember. It was a Robin Robertson book. 
for sure. I love that. I love that. Um, I, love that. I feel like it might have even been that thousand recipe. Like I was like, go big or go home, right? I was like, yeah, I need one thousand recipes. She's got like recipes. that encyclopedia yeah. sort of one. I was like, right? I need yeah. all the mm-hmm. things. Um, so it was that one, and then um, uh, it was the I never say it right. Veganamonicon. V- v- that's my favorite pronunciation of it ever. First of all, but what is Vegan- it? Veganomicon. But I, you just gave me like a, an extra on in there. Veganomicon. Did I, that on makes or something. Sense. I loved it. That's great. Yes, <laughs> yes. Veganomicon's great. That's a, that's that's a, like a, a standard. A lot of people's first. I got yeah. that as one of the first. Someone gifted it to me when I first went vegan, and actually. That's sort of a book that sparked it all for me where I was like, look at this Mm. massive thing. I was like, there's so many new things to make. Um, So definitely uh, an exciting one for me. Uh, Now let's let's dive into your books a little bit. You co-authored a couple books, The Main Street Vegan Academy Cookbook and then Vegan for Her. Mm -hmm. And on your own, you've penned several many books, including Vegan Pressure Cooking, Vegan Air Fryer, Vegan Meal Prep, Fast and Easy Vegan Cookbook. And just this year, you've released... (laughs) Two, almost back-to-back, which we will focus on mostly today, vegan baking for beginners and the complete plant-based diet. Girl. (laughs) Is your computer exploding? Is there little fumes of smoke coming out the side of it? I might be on my third max. I I was actually, that was, yeah, I was going to be like, (laughs) I was like, how many are we on actually at this point? Oh my goodness. Now, before we dive into your two current books, mm-hmm. uh, out of all the books you've written, um, and, and it's kind of hard, I'm not asking you to pick a favorite child necessarily, but is there one that stands out the most for you or holds like a special place in your little vegan heart? You know, I love that you asked that question because I actually do think if people say they can't decide, well, it's true. Maybe people do have a hard time deciding, but many books and how they enter our lives as authors, as you all know, there are various ways in which that happened. And so, you know, like my very first one vegan for her, that was because Jenny Messina had a concept and she wanted me to write the recipes. And so she really drove this and, um, you know, helped me learn how to do a book proposal. And then after that, I was approached by a publisher around the title for vegan pressure cooking. And they had found me because that was all I ever wrote about on my blog. <laughs> and so I still had to put a proposal together, but they already sure. kind of knew, you know, and I only say that because, and then even my subsequent books have been with my last four books have been with the same publisher because they like what I deliver and I right. like how they deliver what I write. And so, um, so that's been a really beautiful relationship. So there's no dissing anywhere here. The book I'm most proud of in the concept of what it means from start to finish right. that um, I, and I think it was 2016, I bought an air fryer because everyone on the internet was going crazy about air fryers. And mm-hmm. then I realized that there were no vegan books on it. And so mm-hmm. I, on my own decided I was going to write a book proposal and I had just bought my air fryer. I'd had it for like a month. So I barely even knew how to use it. So I put a book proposal together and I started shopping it around to publishers all by myself. And then I got a contract and then I was writing the book. And then a year to the day that I bought my first air fryer, that book came out and out of all of the royalties I've ever earned, it's my highest grossing book. And so that's amazing. I have so much pride in that because it was like truly driven from my desire. I was like, I got this. Well, and I also like you saw a power. need and you went for it too, yeah. which I yeah, love. Exa- yeah. Life. I mean, well, and that kind of goes back to when you were talking about the volunteer stuff in Colorado Springs. I always say to people when they're like, I want to do exactly what you're doing. And I'm like, that probably won't work. But if you, <laughs> but if you instead say, what is missing from my community 
yeah. that I want and that yep. I would go to is yep. far more likely to be amazing. Right. And so I wrote the book that I wish had been out there. So yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I'm so glad that uh, book came out and I'm so glad that you gave it to us. I love the, I made, I'm, I've made the single serve pizza from there yeah. so many times. <laughs> I don't know. It's meant to be single serve, right? I guess I could share it, but yeah. I eat that whole thing. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's a tempeh in there too. Mm. Oh, what is it? It's spicy. What is it? It's the sambal olek. Um, mm. Can I tell a story about that? I mean, yeah, it's a really please. quick one. I know I'm super chatty, but um, so no, Seth, no, no, please. I love it. <laughs> Seth Tibbet, who's the founder of Tofurky, he and I worked on a project uh, in a consulting role that I was in uh, years ago, and it was at Expo East. And it was basically, we're, you know, trying to reframe how people look at soy because so many people are like, we need soy free, soy free, soy free. And not all that many people are walking around with soy allergies. So it's really because soy right. had been given such a bum rap. So we worked on this project together where we were going to bring in people who are buyers, distributors. Uh, creators to talk about soy and what we know today around research, et cetera. So Seth and I worked on this in hand in hand um, to just like have a really fun event that was around food, around research, you know? And so he is the reason tempeh is in the United States. I mean, I truly believe that because, you know, Seth just like fell in love with the idea of tempeh, which is a traditional Indonesian food. And he was on a commune, learned how to make tempeh, and then Tofurky started making tempeh. So tempeh is amazing, but he would always wax poetic about this traditional Indonesian sure. um, snack where when you're walking down the streets, it's like a food truck, but it's this crunch, crumbly, crispy, heavily fried, spicy, hot tempeh. Uh -huh. Sambal Olek. And so we had somebody who was from Indonesia who lived in Washington, D.C., who brought some to this event that we did. So cut to I'm doing this book and I'm like, I'm never going to get that result without putting it in a whole bunch of grease or oil. But how can I make something that is reminiscent of this super flavorful you know, interesting texture and is a delicious thing that a home cook could do and a nod to Seth Tibbet because I just feel like he's one of the founders of our movement. And that's how that recipe came about. And it's one of my favorites. So the fact that you love it makes me so happy. Oh, I do. I love it so much. And I love hearing where it came from too. That's amazing. Well, now let's chat about your book that came out this summer, Vegan Baking for Beginners. Yes. I'll be honest, knowing this publisher, I was nervous about this book because I know the turnaround for these books can be tight. And I know baking is a science. So when I saw it, I was like, okay, how in the heck? But then I was like, it's JL. She's got it. It's going to be great. But I got to tell you. Beyond just knowing you that it's going to be great and, and you make amazing recipes, I've baked things out of it and I've it, everything's come out great. I've peeled back the pages and many, many times. And like, I this is a book that I actually just, I can pull out and I just look at because it's fascinating to me because it has so much information in it. It's such a great baking book. It's like digestible bits of information too. You're making my heart sore right now. This I'm is a really hard book. <laughs> I, that well, and that's what I'm. I I get like baking is hard. I can't mm -hmm. imagine doing a whole book on baking. It's not easy, and writing a book on it is not easy. You totally crushed it. How did you feel when you were presented with uh, the idea of writing a book about baking? I had many and every feeling that you described about what made you nervous about this book. I really did, Dustin, because baking. I've always said I'm not a baker. Always mm -hmm. said that, and then. A couple of years ago, on a whim, I um, started a sourdough starter. Okay. 
like everybody else after the pandemic. I was gonna say, they think as they it invented goes. it. Yeah, you know, right? And I was like, okay, <laughs> right? I thought I invented it three years ago too. Sure. Um, so, so, so I bake sourdough bread and, you know, some other things like, you know, whatever, pecan rolls or something with sourdough. But I still didn't really know that much about it. I just knew how to do it in my house at my elevation. Because by the way, that was the other terrifying thing was to write a baking cookbook when you live at 6,200 feet. Oh, and sure. I didn't people, even think about that oh, with you honey. there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had to, I really had to enlist um, recipe testers yeah. to help out with that. Um, so, so here's what I thought that was intriguing. So first I thought it was adorable that they thought I could even do it. I was like, have we met? I mean, like, if you look at my Instagram, I bake sourdough bread. That's all I do. But when they started to talk to me about it, they were like, here's why we're coming to you. And now at this point, I've already written two books for them. And so they know what my style is. And they said, we think this book, we have two intentions for this book. This is for the person who think, who is not vegan or plant-based and think that they can never be either because they wouldn't know how to bake with, you know, what, what kinds of ingredients that they would use. Right. And we also know that there are vegans who know all about vegan butter and they know about vegan eggs and flax eggs or whatever, but they've always said that they can't be a baker. We want this book to speak to both people. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, so from my vegan professional side of being a vegan coach and a culinary instructor, the chance to help somebody, like if that was the thing keeping someone from going vegan, that was super appealing to me. And yeah. then I just thought it would be really fun that I got to be, you know, ethically motivated because I was like, does this have to be a healthy book? Because I don't want to do that. And they were like, oh no, oh use gosh. all the sugar, all the oil, all the vegan butter you want. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, th- so that was appealing to me. And so I just said to them, you know, um, what I think is going to be fun about this is that I'm going to be some things I'm going to be learning while I'm writing the book. And I felt like that's what kind of turned this more also into like a tool, not just recipes. So that as I was discovering things, and when I say discover, I mean, literally understanding for the first time in my life, not like brilliant bakers, all their lives haven't known it. And I just kept notes on all of that so that I could keep this book as instructive as possible. So, um, so yeah, it was terrifying and it was so much fun and it was really delicious to make. And my aunt, who's a vegetarian tested in Indiana had a woman in Ohio testing for me. I had somebody else at my exact same elevation testing. So I wasn't just telling myself that it was working well. So That's I had like great. these various elevations and it was, um, it was really fun to do because I think that, uh, you know, there are lots of baking books out there now these days. Um, and I just felt like the publisher nailed the ankle of what they were trying to achieve. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and the marriage of that too, what I love about, I was just talking to someone on another interview about how as when we're writing books, yes, there's a lot we know. And that's why we're writing the book to share the things that we know, but it's a whole book y'all like we're learning so many things as we write the books as well. And then we're practicing those things and we're honing them in and we're talking to recipe testers and we're all learning things together. So it's really great that you sort of came at it from this perspective of like, well, what am I learning now? And, and how can I use that as a tool to teach people? Because you definitely give 
home cooks no reason at all not to get in the kitchen and be now become home bakers with this yeah. book. Like <laughs> you give the basics and you answer the dairy, the egg, the leavening, the sugar and the spices questions. There's sweets, there's savories. Um, this weekend I just made the dark chocolate donuts. Girl. Oh my God. Your pictures were so stunning. Oh my God. Uh, they might be, I took some to work today actually. And the whole team was just like, um, are you going to put this in your next book? I was like, it's not mine. It's not my <laughs> recipe, but thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, you know, obviously I loved it. I love a yeast, yeast donut because I'm human, but these are baked donuts and I've made many, many baked donuts in my time, but these ones had that little extra special touch of the chocolate chips and the batter. It needed to happen because like, I'm with you. Cause oh whenever people goodness. say, Hey, this new place has vegan donuts and I'm like yeast or cake. And when uh-huh. they say cake, I'm like, that's not a donut. So I trust me, <laughs> I get, I get you. And then obviously I knew I could never do a yeast donut for a beginner. Like they basically gave me lots of things I couldn't do, including sourdough, by the way. Did you notice there's no sourdough in here? I, was I did, cold. but you've got the no need bread in there. Yep, you've got I, some bread up in there. Yep, for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. So I was like, okay, so these donuts have to be like, they, we need to elevate them so that we're not just uh. going like, we're like, oh, that was a the idea of a donut that never came through. <laughs> they really are so uh, decadent, delicious and moist. They were, I made them what three days ago and I took them into work today. And that's no. the one thing about a cake donut and a yeast donut too. Like a yeast yeah. donut, you got to eat those things too within slow. the first, you and know, it's usually like not a problem. Made. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not a problem. The only problem is when you make a batch at home, like you're right? like, I can't have these around. I've got to find a way to get them out. But like these ones I was able to hold on to Well, David and I ate a bunch. No, no lies there. We ate more than we should have. And then I took them into work and they were so good still today. They were great. Um, when we look at recipes from this book though, if we look at like pastries, what would you say is one of your favorite pastry items from the book? Oh gosh, that is a tough call. Cause that is where it starts to get a little tough for me because I, um, there, I, I, I would make a recipe and then I'd just be like, oh my gosh, I think I just fell in love with this again. Um, so I, <laughs> you know, I think that it was, um, I really had fun during doing the churros. And I think it was because, um, it was like this combination of the home cook and me and like, you know, cause, cause, you know, we're using a little store-bought help with that. And so I, I call them cheater churros because we are getting a little boost uh, from some store-bought ingredients and which is again why I was so pleased that they gave me a little latitude but it's sure. um, vegan puff pastry a lot of people don't realize that puff pastry out on the market is already vegan and so it's just a really fun way like if you want to do something and it feels sort of special is you just start with a puff pastry that you can that you buy from the store and then it's really just about how you um, how you flavor it and sure. how you bake it and you shape it. So I really enjoyed that. But I also, I'm a big fan of savory. You might have noticed that too. And yeah, so that. um, that's actually my next question for you is about yeah. savory items. I was curious if you had some favorite savories you want to mention. I was so pleased that they let me do savory. Um, my favorite, and it made it on the cover of the book, it's the caramelized onion and mushroom tart. I can't wait to try that tart. Oh. Please tell us more. Oh my God. Well, you know, so umami is like, should just be my middle name. I talk about it I was going to say, time. I've never heard you say this I know, word. right? Never, ever. What's this word you speak of, JL? It's umami. not even tattooed on my arm or anything. <laughs> I haven't done like 5 million classes on it. Um, I know my students, they roll their eyes every week during the online cooking classes. And I'm like, why did I just add this ingredient? And they all start typing in the chat. Umami, umami, umami. Oh God, and I know I they're rolling it. their eyes. Um, but as we know, umami, the fifth flavor, is what 
I consider the secret ingredient to plant-based cooking, particularly yes. when you live in a multivore home and you're wanting everybody else to eat the way you are. When you pay attention to adding umami elements, that meatiness, that savoriness that comes from ingredients or even techniques of cooking, that brings that out. So this caramelized onion, I mean, the tart couldn't be easier, right? And so the tart recipe is super simple. And then it's just a matter of starting to caramelize the onions and the caramelization process is an umami technique. And now you add mushrooms and that is an umami ingredient. You've just put the double whammy in very simple ingredients and it's just beautiful to serve and, um, and super easy to make. And so I, I, I adore it. It's just one I, of my favorites. I can't wait to try that. And I do love this cover. Actually. I love that they included. Yeah. Sometimes I don't love covers that have multiple items on it, but this one pops and it's perfect and also i do love that they let you do the the savory addition to the book makes this a much more expansive book to me there's so many baking books out there where it is just sweets and this having a combination of both makes it like a much more like attractive book to me in terms of baking Thank you. That's what I, I really pushed for more. They said you could have a few savory. And the more we talked about it, we, we added more because it was like, you know what, this actually could be a book that isn't just for vegan baking, but for people who love baking, like they're going to get meals out of it. Like my chickpea pot pie. Listen, I didn't invite, invent that concept. Type in sure. chickpea pot pie and everybody's done something with that. But I took the basic pie recipe, added turmeric to the, the recipe. So now we've got this like really bright golden crust that just like, pops with flavor when you bite into this simmering kind of gravy with the chickpeas. And so, yeah, those were really fun to do. And it was a nice diversion because I was getting a lot of sugar highs during of this course, book. Of yeah. course. I totally understand. I licked milk- a lot of frosting off yep, of spoons yep. and beers. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the milkshake chapter in my book for Epic Vegan, mm. David and I got really excited. And then after like testing like two of them, we were like, oh my God, we have to space this out. Like, this I have a space. tummy ache. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was terrible. But I mean, so delicious. But at the same time, it was like, okay, we need to like dial this down a bit. Totally um, hard. <laughs> you've got croissants in the book. There's the pumpkin spice bars that I cannot wait to make this fall. Like we said, the no need rustic bread, all aspects of this. And it's all there available and in a very approachable way. This weekend, I even made um, the cocoa caramel bonbons. I, I gave so those happy that you made those. Oh my gosh. Here's why. Let me tell you. Yeah, tell me. I have the sweet and salty book from Legusti Yearwood of uh, Legusta's Luscious and it's 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 it looks it I can't wait to dig in, but every time I go to open it, I'm like, oh, that seems like a lot for me to like dive into right now. And then I saw the picture for the uh, date, the caramel, the cocoa caramel bonbons in your book. And I was like, well, there's not too many ingredients there. And then I was like, okay, it says date caramel. Let's check that out. The date caramel was so simple. So it's, it's melted chocolate with the date caramel and you just have to have some form of a, you know, a a mold to put it in. Mm -hmm. And, and by the way, to go. It, there, and I have several molds just for ridiculous reasons. And I have me one too, that's like cats. I made it in, in little <laughs> cats. They're adorable. And I have one for eggs because I've been making vegan um, hard-boiled eggs. Me too. And they, these are so good in those eggs. So now you get a really big piece when you do that. <laughs> well, because then you're getting your like your caramel. What are those? The, the Cadbury eggs. The yes. Caramel ones now. So yeah. you're just making the caramel ones. Mm-hmm. This date caramel was super simple to make too. And I had never seen date caramel. So I got super excited about it. I had dates in the fridge that I wanted to use. And um, the only thing I did struggle a little finding, I couldn't find the evaporated milk, the Publix 
by me isn't really great, but I, I just made some from scratch. So I was like able to do it. It was Oh, crazy. that's perfect. If you yeah. um, if you ever want me to get the word on how you did that, I'd be happy to, or if it's in one of your books, that's a great idea. Yeah, that is true. Because I forget, you know, see, there was some ridiculous article recently saying that Colorado Springs is one of the worst cities to live in as vegan or plant-based. Oh, no. It was one of those clickbait things that came out last week. They said uh, Seattle too. And everyone in Seattle's like, hello, have we met? So anyway, it was ridiculous in the first place. But even the fact that based on all of the just kind of regular grocery stores we have yeah. between our, we have Kroger's, like you guys have Publix, we have Kroger, um, it's called King Supers, but also natural grocers and Sprouts and Albertsons and Safeway. And I can get vegan um, condensed and evaporated milk in, in our city. So yeah, right, was- it's not always accessible. I was actually very surprised I couldn't get it at the the Publix. And then a couple yesterday, I was checking out. We're looking into buying a home, and I was out in a different neighborhood. And I I I don't know if you do this, but I'll go to a grocery store I haven't been to just to like wander around and see if they oh, have yeah. the vegan this and that. But they had the condensed uh, vegan milk at the Kroger. Um, and actually, since we're talking about giving people the the tip, we do this thing at the end of the episode called Dustin's Dish. Now, you guys, I'll give you that'll be the tip for today in the episode. So hang on till the end, and we'll talk about perfect the, making the uh, 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 condensed milk from scratch. Now, what are a, a couple of your other favorite things from the book you might tell our listeners to make when they first get the book? What's a couple recipes to dive into? First thing from vegan baking for beginners. Oh, okay, that's really good. Well, I am going to really advocate for that chart, but I will tell you, I made um, so I have a recipe. <laughs> you're going to probably, you'll appreciate this. So, uh, so when I t- taught my last class as part of the, I'm using quotes, pandemic cooking series. So it was the last free class. And I was actually back home by, um, visiting my family, social distance, but I was staying at my sister's. And so I did the last class in her kitchen and it was sort of a book party for this book because the book had just come out. And, uh, so she, so I have a recipe called grandma's date pudding. And it's not pudding, it's cake. And then someone from the UK emailed me to explain this later. Um, And so um, anyway, it's like not fancy at all. It's not complicated. And Dana had the cake pan that grandma used to always take to the church potlucks. And I just love it because it's kind of sounds a little weird. And it doesn't sound like something where you're just like, "Mm, yum, date pudding. Let me in on that. Actually, you said it and I was like, ooh. See, because that's because you're a foodie. Um, (laughs) like dates are sweet i'll eat them delicious great let's do it (laughs) um i'm trying to listen i just want to pull the recipe out because i want just people to hear like how um okay cool i love that they have grandma is like in my index i have a couple (laughs) i have a couple shout outs to my grandmas so the recipe is so simple it's flax eggs it's chopped dates it's vegan butter, sugar, flour, walnuts. You guys, that is, oh, you freaking, so you just put it together. And then after you bake it, you just put a little whipped cream. Of course, grandma and grandma did it. It was a tub of cool whip, but yep, I've got a yep, homie, yep. I've got a coconut whipped cream recipe in the book. But you there's sure just do. something comforting about it. It's a little sticky, a little somewhere between like a pudding or a cake. And I just love it because it was something my grandma made all the time. And I know you know this, when you have a recipe that you grew up with and meant so much because it had a memory attached to it, like on Sundays when we go to grandma's after church, and that was the big day where the family would play cards together all afternoon. And to have those recipes and so easily make them Mm -hmm. vegan now, and not Mm -hmm. just easily, like it's vegan. It's like, no, it's deliciously vegan because the products have changed so much. Yep. You know, so, um, so that is one that I really, that I, I, I think is so much fun. 
And then I had to do a, a cupcake recipe with some Oreos. And before people get all mad, like yes. the Oreos are accidentally vegan. Yes, um, and you can get the version um, that don't have palm oil if you want to do that too. But mm-hmm. they, you know, Oreos, they make those little mini Oreos and I just yep. love them in those. Uh, so I would also, you know, th- that was definitely a favorite of mine too. But I'd also say, don't be afraid of bread. I think a lot of people are afraid of bread, especially yeast breads. And I've been getting some really great feedback from people on my, uh, I have a, a cooking group on Facebook. It's called oh, Vegan Cooking with JL Fields. And they have been loving the sweet brown bread recipe. It's super simple. You know, it's definitely, it uses yeast and wheat flour and uh, some molasses. It's super simple. And I think once you have your first good experience with a loaf of bread, you yeah. will be a convert. I'm definitely going to dive in. I'm going to post it the heck out of this book and everyone else should too. Make sure you go get Vegan Baking for Beginners by JL Fields. Sweet and savory. Something for everyone in here. Delicious, delicious. But let's shift gears. Let's look at your book that's coming out next week. Uh, the Complete Plant-Based Diet. Uh, let's chat vegan and plant-based. I saw something on your social media when you announced this book explaining vegan versus plant-based and how you felt about the topic of the two labels. Can you elaborate? Yes, I can elaborate because I always joke and I've been telling everybody that they are going to um, fall on the floor when they see the name of my Because <laughs> 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 I've always just really, um, this is going to sound a little strong, but like rejected the term plant-based for a couple of reasons. And I, and, and one, I do talk about this in the book where I just say, you know, I'm a noun, I'm a person. And as a noun, I'm a vegan because that's an, a, an ethic. It's a way in which I, I live and operate in the world. And it, it, it comes from a, a place of justice. And, uh, and in that, it means that I eat food that doesn't come from animals. And so inherently that is plant-based. But then what has happened with the term plant-based from two different, very divergent areas is we have some people who are definitely dietary and health motivated, which is great when you're making choices to not eat animals for your health, it still helps the animal. So I'm on team, go for it, right? But, um, But what also happens is sometimes that in that context of the healthy approach, there are other things that they may choose to not use, uh, ingredients that happen to be vegan. And those things could be salt and oil and sugar um, or something that's been prepared in a box or a can. And that I feel starts to dilute what it means to eat a vegan uh, diet because then people might be like, well, gosh, I can't give up those things. So I guess I can't be vegan. And so it's like, you know, if it's health motivated, it kind of makes some sense. So that's been happening. And that was just something that I didn't personally connect with. Although I eat that way and have, I always laugh and say, just because what you see on Instagram doesn't mean that's what I'm eating 24 seven. But, um, but then on the other side, a very interesting thing has happened, which is people are buying plant plant plant-based products that like, going crazy for plant-based products has already been happening. And then COVID happened. And for all kinds of reasons, people continue to make those purchases. And so what happens is people who make food and sell food look at trends and they're like, wow, plant-based is like, it's gone up exponentially every single year. The percentages are skyrocketing of how much space they take up in a grocery store. So then some of these clever people decided to start using the term plant-based and they would buy things. And so I'm telling all of you, if you do not eat animals, when you're picking up packages, you need to read them carefully because mm-hmm. in the meat department now you can find impossible foods, which is, um, is like, they don't call themselves vegan because of some animal testing, but plant-based, um, beyond is there, uh, 
Simple Truth brand by uh, Kroger brand is mm -hmm. there. These are plant-based. And then right next to them, you're going to see plant-based meat. And when you pick it up, if you read closely, what you discover is what they mean by it is they mashed vegetables into animal flesh. And so that product is oh my quote based in plants. Oh and that is gosh. happening in the freezer section. It's happening on the shelves. It's uh, happening in the refrigerated section and it's happening in the meat department. So buyer beware. And so that term wow. has always kind of like had this thing for me. So then why yeah. write a book that's called plant-based, right? Which is logical and a good question. And it's for this reason. I wanted to take it as an opportunity to redefine it for those two audiences to sure. say, um, say that you can um, eat a wholesome diet uh, that's made your know, foods that are primarily uh, whole foods from their, you know, you know, the form that in which they were grown. Uh, you can make foods very flavorful while also limiting some foods if it's for your dietary or reasons, whether it's oil or salt. And so someone asked me recently, well, cause they know me. So they were like, Oh, so, I'm assuming since you wrote it, there's oil in it. And I said, well, in this case, I give oil options. So my books over the last several years have been oil-free option, gluten-free option, gluten-free sure. option. And this time around, I was like, let's just start at the basics yeah. and then let people know. Or you can add a teaspoon or a tablespoon of oil, whatever. Um, you know, and I have a, a salt blend that is no salt. What do I call it? No salt. Uh, low salt and give me all the salt. Um, so, you know, so I try to have a little fun with this, but really what I'm trying to do is invite people in who are motivated by the idea of a plant-based diet. And I hope that they'll hear a little something from me about the vegan approach in the introduction, but also to see how approachable this food can be and really, really flavorful when you take the time to, to sort of layer flavors and to, and take time to let them kind of meld and and I, I, I'm trying to help them maybe flex their culinary muscles a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's the impression I have. I have not had it in my hands yet. I've been able to look at the PDF. And, and the thing, the impression I get from it is, is you are really presenting the basics. You talk about the expense or rather, you know, the inexpensive side of plant-based eating basics like pressing tofu. And like you said, insights on salt, oil, sugar, and really the flavors of cooking. Um, and, and it seems to me like it's a great intro to plant-based cooking. You've got a 21-day meal plan even. There's over 115 recipes included. And nutritional information on all of it. I, I I was flipping through it and I saw that there was nutritional information. Is it for every recipe? Yeah, every recipe we have um, calories and the macros. Yep, that's great. It's yep. it seems like it, it. This will serve as a great introduction to many people who are curious about this way of cooking, um, and and it lends itself like your other books do. When I'm looking over it, it seems which is what I I. To me is what a book needs to be for me. It seems very approachable and welcoming. There's that feeling um, that I always seem to get with your books, that it's welcoming, approachable, and that there's a sense of enthusiasm in the tone for adopting a plant base and, and cooking in general. Well, that, you know what? I, I, I would never write a book that I couldn't, well, because you know how much work they are. If you're not into it, what's the point? Oh my goodness, <laughs> right? right? Um, and so I did. I really enjoyed this because it was a chance to, to also just like not have people silo us, you know, just because I eat mm -hmm. a vegan cupcake and just because I love an impossible burger and just because I have no problem buying a Daya frozen pizza 
doesn't mean I don't love kale and lentils and squash. Totally. Like we like, like let's just give ourselves a break and have some boundaries. And where I tried to play with those boundaries also was in the staples section. And so while in the, the crux of the book, you're going to get recipes that really do sort of stick to the ingredients of, of, you know, the, the food, right. And lots of spice and limited to no oil or sugar or salt, but in the, like I said, in the staple section, then I have a smoky ketchup recipe where that's where I'm going to bring in the sweetness. And so I'm going to add some miso paste and then I'm going to add some maple syrup or agave. And yeah, that's absolutely an added sweetener. And, um, but I'm doing that in the staple section. You're not eating a bowl of ketchup. You're adding a punch of ketchup right. to a beautiful piece of plant that you cooked. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'm really trying to like get us all to get a little less rigid around that and sure. understand that there's this way where you can kind of live in those worlds. I love that. And there's, there's different chapters for different categories. Of course, as cookbooks do, I've got some tempeh sausage calling my name in the breakfast chapter, <laughs> but what's something that you might suggest from the breakfast chapter? Oh, from the breakfast chapter. Well, it's always funny because I always feel like I have to start with the, um, you know, the obligatory smoothie and acai bowl, of but, course. I, <laughs> but I have to tell you, Probably one of my favorites, and it's not sexy at all, but it's the, macro, <laughs> it's the macro miso breakfast soup because it's so out of the box. Because when people are like, what should I have for breakfast? And they act like like vegan breakfast is so elusive. Like I know. know. And I'm like, but well, people are eating bacon and eggs and that's savory, and people are eating potatoes and that's savory. Yep. So, you know, and we eat porridge or we eat oatmeal. So what's like, why not soup? But truly... <laughs> My culinary life kind of began when I accidentally took a macrobiotic three-day class in Philadelphia. Like I literally didn't know it was macrobiotic. I signed up for the cooking class. Oh my god! Train from I can't New York. Even imagine. And so, and, and and that miso soup that morning, I was like, "Oh I man, I could eat this every day for the rest of my life." So honestly, yeah. and I like it just because I think it it helps push people out of that idea of what breakfast is supposed to look like. Um, and of course, you could make it for any meal too. Well, I mean, and miso is just delicious. It's one of my absolute favorite ingredients. I love it so much. Uh, What about handhelds? That's one of my favorite items always and forever. Love me a good sandwich, burrito, taco. (laughs) What You've got a salads and handhelds chapter. What's a favorite out of there? Yeah, you know, so I'm always a real big fan of wraps. You know, I can't help it, but I really love my pistachio sauce that um that I have that goes with the spring rolls. And I think spring rolls are way easier mm. than people realize. You just kind of have to get used to touching them when sure. you're rolling them up. And you know, and I do help you understand how to um just the right amount of time to get them wet so that they're pliable but they don't get too sticky. Uh but what I think is funny and because it's such a hippie uh vegan thing is I love the yellow doll colored wraps. I mean, listen, I love me a tortilla wrap. Do not get me wrong. And if it's flour, I'm all in too. But I think that there's something fun and beautiful about the crunchiness of a big leafy collard green, how Mm -hmm. dense it is. People don't think to eat it raw, but then to just have this yellow doll, which for me, a lot of the uh, ingredients are very much in the style of a kitchery. And so I just kind of like that sort of Ayurvedic, hippie-ish thing, but it's just so pretty. And you could even cut it into pinwheels and it would be beautiful as appetizers. 
Oh, that sounds delicious. And we're in the fall season, so there's mm. a soups and stews chapter. I got my yes. eye on the split pea soup. It's one of my favorites, so mm-hmm. I know yours will be delicious. I can't wait to make it. Um, and so what's what's a, what's a reason people should get out their stock pots for? What's some recipes people should be getting their stock pots out for in this? Well, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a chili, and I'm really fond of mm. the white chili because I've always, oh, um, you know, I, a lot of times, I'm sure you get this too, a lot of times people will say they can't eat tomatoes. And I'm not really good about making adjustments for around allergies just because I, you know, I haven't had them myself, but I do understand that people are looking for that. And because we eat so much chili in the fall, it is nice to have a variety. So I like the white chili because it really is a nod to being in Colorado and being in the Southwest because green chilies are a star. There's a lot of spicy flavor, but I'm really fond of cannellini beans. I just love love how, aren't they wonderful? They're so creamy. I use them in my, um, I have a white bean gravy recipe that I absolutely adore, but I have to tell you that probably one of my favorite recipes was one that took a long time. I had to do it several times before I nailed it. And it's the mushroom and quinoa gumbo. And I just love it. And I remember I I got the, um, I'm I'm probably not going to pronounce it right, but the gumbo fila, is it fila or filet? Mm, um, F I L E. It was actually a Yande um, Howell. He did back when he was doing um, his uh, daily cooking from his kitchen. He did a gumbo one day and it was just a small little jar of this powder, which basically, you know, traditional gumbo, the thickener was, um, was okra. But this, uh, but this gumbo uh, filla, which you can get at, a, at a spice stores, and it's, it's almost got like an anise smell to it, but it serves as a thickener, but it just adds this richness and this like, almost like gravy to it. But it was, I remember making it, and um, mushroom and quinoa isn't going to get my husband excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just need to tell you that. Like, you know, he, if anybody, if anybody follows me on Instagram, they know like Dave makes killer vegan pizza every Friday night vegan pizza he makes he makes he's an incredible cook an incredible cook I mean yesterday he made a soy curl potato stool stew that was to die for but you know there'll be days where I'll be like I think maybe tonight we could do something like with bok choy quinoa and mushrooms and they'll look at me like really Um, so he's like vegans are better than that we don't need to like we don't need to be a stereotype but this one i just let this simmer i was letting it cook it was getting thick it was fragrant thick and juicy and when i spooned that out and he took the bite and took a bite and he just said oh my god so i knew i nailed it do you know what i mean so that one yeah, yeah yeah i love that one Oh, sounds like you got some hearty stuff in that chapter. And we're yeah. moving into the main attractions. Mm-hmm. Something in the main attractions, a main event we want to talk about, a main dish for the listeners. Oh, to gosh, you know, <laughs> that's this is the chapter where it's hard to say, like, you know, what, what you can pick a couple. Favorite? Well, you know, I always like a lentil loaf. Um, mm-hmm. And you and I, <laughs> I remember you and I talking about my my fiasco, not a fiasco that turned into. Um, no, but I, yes, I do. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm talking I was yep. trying to do a lentil loaf for another uh, book and it was, I did it by the way, and it was supposed to be the five <laughs> ingredient. And I was like five <laughs> ingredients for a little loaf. I am a crazy person. Well, then I just realized I needed to change the structure. So instead of it making it a loaf, I did it in a brownie pan. And so they're like little square pieces of lentil 
something. Yep. Let's call it a brownie square or whatever. <laughs> and it, they're so good. So I do have one of those, but honestly, I love the Pinto paella. I just, um, Ooh. I think it's so much fun because it has so many ingredients in it. The list of ingredients looks long, but you guys were talking about onions and garlic and bell peppers. Um, it's really fine. Uh, yeah. but there's just something about the wholesomeness of it. And, uh, and I love a paella that, um, so a restaurant here in town makes that is really wonderful, but I also really had fun doing, um, I have a, I'm doing it for a cooking class that, uh, I'm trying to think now. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if it's before or after everyone's listening to this now that I think about it. But it's a, <laughs> so I am so sorry. But um, it, it's a sort of like a fancy version of a recipe. And so it's like scallops, but we're using heart of palm. Oh, perfect. And it's really fun because it's just a way to, to sort of play around with recipes that we loved or that we got at a restaurant and there's just a simple way to do it. So that one is, is kind of a, a favorite of mine too. And then of course I have my umami oat burgers, which I absolutely adore because I think every book needs to have some version of a vegan burger recipe. And this one is super wholesome. I love that. And umami's in the title. Mm, of course. Oh, she went for it. Yes. Yes. Uh, I went for it. <laughs> and you're closing out the book with uh snacks and treats chapter and then a staples chapter. Was it so great after the baking book to sort of get into some treats that were not all baking. Yeah, it was really, really fun. <laughs> it really was. Um, I have to tell you that the snacks, uh, one of the things that I absolutely love is, is a guacamole that I make with kale. It is so hearty and thick and wonderful. And it totally changes. Um, How do you make a guacamole toast. with kale? Yeah, it's really, really fun. And then there's a recipe that Dave and I uh, uh, collaborated on years ago that we did for a, uh, a cooking class we taught for high-performing athletes who were looking for ways to fuel up before, during, and after wow. training Um uh, and so we call this endurance bars and it's going to sound a little weird, but you're going to have to trust me. And we've been using them on our long bike rides. It's um, brown rice and tempeh bacon and walnuts and syrup and liquid aminos and chia seeds. Now, if you're an athlete, everything you just heard are the kinds of things you'd be looking for. Like if you, I was gonna a, say. you right, like you're looking for electrolytes, you're looking for yep. sodium, yep. you're looking for carbs. And it's so fun because you can just put it in your like cycling Jersey or your running Jersey and just pull it out and just eat it. And so, um, so it sounds kind of weird, but you're going to have to trust me on that one. No, but um, I've so actually been looking for a bar that I can put together on my own mm -hmm. before I go to the gym in the morning or something, something I can have at the ready instead of buying like store-bought ones. Mm -hmm. so this sounds like it might be a perfect option for the morning. Would I eat that in the morning? Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, I'm like, wait. Well, because think uh, of like our macro, right? Like if we're going to do brown rice, if we did miso soup and sure. it's got walnuts in it and chia seeds and, and you can do it. I mean, I usually eat it. Well, you know, I store them in the refrigerator and then if I'm okay. out for a workout, by the time I eat it, it's more like room temperature. Um, but I will tell you that in my, I think it's my vegan meal prep book. I have this very basic banana. I call it, I call it banana. Um, Banana nut bars. And honestly, all they are are bananas and rolled oats and walnuts and a pinch of salt and a little maple syrup. When I'm going out on a long ride, I will add um, a, a few more oats and I'll add 
more salt because I really do have to replenish the salt from all the sweat. Those sure. are amazing for a workout. I'm going to make that, those. You might then. like those. I have yeah. that book. That's another book of hers, everyone. The meal meal prep book by uh, Vegan Meal Prep. It's called it's the full title. I wasn't right? even doing that on purpose. <laughs> no, I know. But hey, come on. Let's let's make sure everyone knows. Vegan Meal Prep book. Another outstanding book by you. Um, this one closes out with a Staples chapter. We yeah. got sour cream, pesto, marinara, barbecue sauce, buffalo sauce. You cover it all. I mean, you have such a wealth of knowledge on all of these topics. Plus I love again, what you've said in this whole interview is sort of taking the things you're learning during the process and you're, you're just uh, sort of elevating that and then giving it up as information. And it, it's, it's so digestible in the way. And I will say this at your veg fest too. You really give information in a way that is digestible to people because it's very hard for me to latch on to things sometimes. And you're just so engaging in your writing and your demos and all of that. And it's why you're such a good teacher too. And you, you have these classes. So I'm, I'm, I'm certainly grateful for you. And these books are amazing. You guys should pre-order the complete plant-based diet by JL fields right now. It comes out next week, but don't wait until next week. Pre-order it right now. Literally press pause and we'll wait for you. Go order it. Press pause. Great. Great. Pre-orders matter a lot in the publishing and bookseller world. So go online wherever you buy books and order The Complete Plant-Based Diet by JL Fields right now. And you'll get it when it comes out next week on October 20th. It really is a great collection of recipes. You're the best, JL. I love it. I love it. I love it. You are. (laughs) We're going to move into a little something called book brag book brag so you have this great library of books mm-hmm. um and i i'm curious what is something what is something wonderful that's happened in your life or something that's come from these books that you want to brag about real quick Ooh. um uh, okay since it's bragging i will yeah moment to brag go for um it. so i <laughs> i got an email one day from my website and you know how that goes it's like you know is it a you, print you see it in the country? inbox and you're like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. okay. You're like, yeah, this sure. can go one of two ways. Yeah. And it was somebody who they didn't divulge where they were from, but they just said that they were interested in talking to me. And uh, I'll just cut to it. It ended up being uh, Ninja, the company that makes uh, people have known ninjas for their their blenders, their coffee bars. And they had this crazy idea which was, could you make an appliance that was both a pressure cooker and an air fryer? And the reason they reached out to me was because I was one of the few people at the time who had written books on both a pressure cooker Mm -hmm. and an air fryer. And as a result of that, and as a result of having several phone conversations with them, they brought me on as a consulting chef. And so for six months, once a month, I would fly to Boston and I was in the Ninja kitchen testing out prototypes for what ultimately became the Ninja foodie. And for me, it was like this moment of, you know, there's a thing called imposter syndrome and I know we're Uh wrapping up, so Uh I won't get into it. Just Google it. It's a thing. It's real. Uh It's legit. And when you're someone (laughs) like me, who's not culinarily trained like you, Dustin, you always wonder like, how do I keep getting these book deals? And why do people trust me? And this is all like, I've duped everybody. And then I'm standing in the Ninja kitchen and then a year later they've created a Ninja foodie. And so much of what it does was based on my feedback and me using it. And it just made me kind of feel like I belonged and it wouldn't have happened without those two books. Oh, I love that. And, and then the Ninja foodie might not have happened without you. So look at that. that. Oh, I love it. That's a good one. That is a good (laughs) one. Now we're going to move into our Baker's dozen rapid fire question. You ready for this? Okay. Here we go. What is your favorite spice to cook with? 
uh, uh, smoked paprika. Me too. And really? you're, not the, you're not the first. Uh, that is like a common one. And I love hearing that because I thought I was like the only one for a while. So love fantastic. It. All right. Morning person or night owl? Morning. A veg fest that you look forward to returning to? Atlanta. Oh, I love that. Marinara or pesto? Mm, marinara. Donuts or cupcakes? <gasps> Yeast mm. donuts. <laughs> yeast donuts specifically she says uh favorite grain like to have not to cook necessarily but to have in like a bowl or something favorite grain to eat ah Faro. good one what is the last book you read mm. um grit the power of passion and perseverance and it's by angela duckworth and it actually goes connects really well to the imposter syndrome. It's really about like when people think I need to do X, Y, Z to get somewhere. And if you don't have the absolute passion for what you want to do, it will almost be impossible. And that's what we know is great. I'm going to read that. It sounds fantastic. You, you guys are learning so much more <laughs> than just about food tonight from JL. So go look up the book Grit. Uh, what's our next? I lost my place here. I'm just so excited. Uh, pancakes or waffles? <gasps> waffles. What is your go-to exercise of choice? cycling and what is on your nightstand right now Mm, my ipad nice brad pitt or bradley cooper cooper Mm, Mm -hmm. i need to do a i oft i switch that one in and out of these i need to do a poll down the line and see who's (laughs) chose how many are on what side must have tool in the kitchen Mm, uh a pressure cooker i i not surprised. Your second might be an air fryer. I'm just going to yep, guess. You're right. And, and if if you could cook for any celebrity, who would it be? Mm. Michelle Obama. Ah, she's not a celebrity. She's so much more than that, but she's famous. Oh, so we'll go with that. That's yeah. great. That's yeah. perfect. That's JL. You're the best. So, so stoked you did the pod. I'm so appreciative. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was so much fun. Everyone go pre-order the complete plant-based I just wet my plants. Everyone (laughs) go order the complete plant-based diet wherever you buy books and get vegan baking for beginners for yourself and everyone, you know, this coming holiday season, it will make a perfect gift. And of course, get all of JL's other books too. One of my favorites is the air fryer one, as we've discussed, but you absolutely can't go wrong with pressure cooker or so many of the other ones. Start your JL library today and please tell everyone how they can find you, my dear. What's your website? You can find me at jlgoesvegan.com. Fantastic. And that's the same on socials as well, correct? All of it. Yep. Great. So everything you can find her at JL Goes Vegan. JL, thank you so much. Peace, love, and kale, my queen. Oh, it's so great to speak with you. What a gem. Really great to catch up with her and hear what she has been up to in this pandemic. Yeah. And guys, y'all definitely have to go check out her online classes. She's doing them all the time. And oh, they're so for great. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love how she took her love of teaching and, and transitioned it so well during the pandemic so that she can still reach people and she made it work for her. That's the best part. Yeah. This entrepreneurship hustle is, is a super hard game. And she seems to really break things down to deliver quality for her followers. Um, while also maintaining some, you know, sort of work-life balance. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Which is pretty amazing. 100%. It's it's inspiring to uh, say the least. I know you and I can certainly use all the help we can get when it comes to finding work-life balance, my dear. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but, you know, we find our way. We do. We find we our way. Find our way. Uh, and listen, let's get to Dustin's dish. Dustin's dish. Dustin's dish. Uh, we forgot to give one last week. 
Oopsie. Um, <clears throat> Oopsie. And the listeners have really been kind of telling us and reaching out to us and in the reviews and on Instagram that these tips and tricks um, of yours have been actually really helping. Aww. I think I even saw one of the melting cheese I, putting I a little t- water yeah, yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. That was mm-hmm. on Instagram. Someone found that very successful. Nice. So it's um, one of my favorite ones. How about this week we give two of Dustin's dish. Ah, you got it. And, uh, you know, guys, sorry for forgetting last week, y'all. We were worried about the length of the episode, so we rushed a bit. But hey, we do what we do, and here we are. And here's Dustin's dish for this week. Number one, tomato paste. They come in that teeny tiny can, right? So usually I open that little can, I need like one tablespoon, two tablespoons. But there's at least like four to six tablespoons in one can, right? What do you do with those extra tablespoons? For the longest time, I tossed it in the trash. Boo. So now I take uh, whatever I've left in the can and I either take a teaspoon or a tablespoon and I put it into a container and put it in the freezer. Tightly seal it and put it in the freezer. And then I usually do teaspoons just because then if I need a tablespoon later on, I can take out three teaspoons. Like the smaller portions help me be able to use it. Uh, It's a little more accessible depending on the recipe I want to use it for. So that's a way to make sure you, you get good use out of that tomato paste that's sort of lingering around in that can. And number two, as I mentioned in this episode, let's give you an easy at-home version for condensed milk so you can make that date caramel by uh, J.L. Fields in her baking book. Condensed milk is essentially a thickened sweet milk. I've made this with two different milks. I did it once with two and a half cups almond milk and three quarter cups uh, organic sugar. And another time I did another version with coconut milk. Now this is very luscious and very decadent version because it's all that fat in the coconut milk, right? So you want a 14 ounce can of coconut milk and uh, two third cups sugar. So either one, two and a half cups almond milk or soy milk or whatever non-dairy milk and three quarter cups sugar or two thirds cup of uh, sugar with one full can of coconut milk. Put it into a sauce pot, bring to a simmer and simmer for literally like 35 to 40 minutes until the milk has reduced by half. It has become darker in color and it is thick and creamy. It will have the texture of like a glaze almost. So it'll stick to the back of a spoon and coat it when you dip the spoon in it. But hey, it's that easy. Non-dairy milk and sugar, simmer, reduce. The hard part is patience, you guys. So you want to stir it often so it doesn't burn. So that's the other thing. You can't set it and forget it. Easy, but it takes time. I like to put it on the stove if I have other things going on in the kitchen, essentially. And what I like, you actually gave three Dustin's dishes. Did you notice? No. How many teaspoons are in a tablespoon? Oh, hey, hey, three tisp in a tabs. So, going back to the tomato paste, if you keep little bits of the teaspoons, Uh three of those from the freezer will equal one tablespoon. That's pretty cool. That's exactly right. I feel like not necessarily all people know that. So that's like, you got a triple dish. Oh. Okay. Dish, dish, dish. 3D. Oh, all right. If you will. And and I know you will out there. I know you will. So sounds easy enough. So listen, everyone, <clears throat> you still have the chance to enter to win some free cookbooks. Yes, everyone, you've been so great with rating, reviewing, and subscribing. We are so grateful. Enter the Keep On Cooking podcast raffle to win one of 20 free vegan cookbooks, including JL's Vegan Baking for Beginners and the Complete Plant-Based Butt Diet that we talked about today. Uh, you just have to go to Apple Podcasts to enter the raffle. And how do they do it, David? Yes. And so the important thing is Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe um, to this podcast, um, and you are entered to win a f- uh, free book. Yep. Um, and we'll do, I don't know, we'll kind of let you know how we do the drawings as it comes, um, but you have until November 9th to do it. So 
TikTok, TikTok. TikTok, TikTok. As usual, we thank you for listening, and we know your time is valuable. Yeah, and we are so grateful that you are choosing to listen to this podcast and hope you're getting some some good cooking inspo. Inspo. But hey, be sure to come back next Tuesday, my hennies, and keep on cooking. And remember, it's nice to be nice. This has been a Muzzy Cat production.